baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. And good morning, everybody. My name is Bart Winkler, and it's great to be here. Bill Ryder is uh, not here. A little vacay for Bill. I'll be with you throughout the week, along with Tom, of course. We've got the sales buy or sell coming up a little bit later. We will talk to uh, Jake Fisher about the latest that is happening in the NBA. There's a little bit of a lull here. I think we're kind of in the eye of the storm. By a lull, I mean like a three-day lull. Unless you count Nas Reed uh, re-upping with the Timberwolves. Big news yesterday. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be facetious. He's a good player. A good deal for the uh, Timberwolves. Yeah, maybe a little bit facetious. But I do like Nas Reed. I, I'm not, this is not a Nas Reed slander show. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about that because there's the draft and then free agency. And now we're just kind of in that waiting period. Before everything picks up, could we see some more deals, some more trades, anything that's going to shock us in free agency? Now it's starting to look like all these guys might stay. Kyrie, yeah, he might stay in Dallas. James Harden, yeah, he might stay in Philly. DeAndre Ayton, yeah, he might actually somehow stay in Phoenix. So we'll talk about all that throughout the show today. Also want to take a look at something I was kicking around yesterday on uh, one of the weekend shows is what could take the NFL down? What could take the NFL down? And I wanted to bring it up because I talk about it basically every time I fill in on any show is I say something uh, to the extent of the NFL, they're trying to squeeze as much as they can. They're trying to how much air can they put in that balloon before it pops? Well, we're going to try to figure that out today. And uh, we'll do that a little bit later. So, so much to get to. Want to talk about the NBA draft and some very questionable activity that happened online. First, I want to give a shout out to the College World Series and all of its diehard fans. Florida and LSU tonight, winner take all. It's a best of three series. I don't think this could have happened any more perfect for the College World Series. It does feel like there's been more momentum with the College World Series as of late, and that might be because that might be because of gambling. That might be more people are, hey, there's something else we can bet on. That might be because of it. I don't think that People are any less interested in Major League Baseball or they're looking for another outlet, but there's this also other great thing happening, and I think people have discovered that. Just like with the women's college basketball tournament. I think that's gotten some momentum in uh, in basketball because there's this great thing that's happening in the men's tournament, and then, oh, by the way, there's also the women's tournament. Let's Let's watch that too, and it's exciting and it's captivating, and so I think that people are sort of finding out more about some of these sports or at least watching it. And then it's important when these sports are shown that they deliver. And I think this world series has delivered and it's perfect for them now because there was the uh, crazy game on Saturday night, which you may have, you know, what's on on a Saturday night on oh, that much. I'm going to watch this. Hey, this is pretty cool. And then you get interested on Sunday and it's a, a massive blowout and you're like, okay, what's next? And then it's a championship game on a Monday night. When really, there's not much else uh, that you might want to watch tonight. So this is now going to get more eyeballs than it would have. Instead of it being finished on a Sunday afternoon in the summer, 
now you're going to get a Monday night game that is uh, having everything on the line. So good, good momentum for the World Series. I, I, I have a hard time following everything up to this point. I guess I could look at a bracket. It's the same with the Little League World Series. I never know, like, are we in group play? Is this the final? Is this the United? I, I just never know what's going on. Also, I'll get into the College World Series. I can't do the Little League thing. I I don't I don't know where you guys stand around here, but I can't do the. I mean, it's a bunch of ki- it's a bunch of kids. If I want, want to watch a bunch of kids play baseball, there's a park by my house. I'll, I'll just go watch that. Okay, I'm not I'm not spending a weekend on TV watching the Little League World Series. I'm happy for the kids. I'm not. I don't want to take that away from them. It's just not entertainment that I personally uh, enjoy. Okay, so just to. Make that clear. 855-212-4227, 855-212-4CBS. If you want to chime in throughout the day here today, uh, you're more than welcome to. Again, Jake Fisher will join us next hour, buy or sell next hour. And we do have uh, room for you if at any reason you feel so inclined. I do want to just kind of wrap up this Sham Sharina thing. And you never want, when you're a when you're a reporter or when you're a journalist, you never want that phrase to exist. Uh, the shams situation or this this shams controversy. You never want that to happen. And some of you may not have any idea about what's going on because this is a Twitter. This is like an online Twitter sort of uh, conversation. And I have to remember sometimes, like when I would do any radio show, I'd always like I, I had a tendency where I would like do the radio show to one audience and then go online on Twitter and fight on Twitter with people or have Twitter conversations. And then I would try to bring the Twitter conversation to the radio and the majority of the audience, believe it or not, was like, yeah, man, we don't have Twitter. And like, I do have an account, but I never look at it. What are you talking about? Who are these people? Why are you telling me to invest in Dogecoin? What are What are you doing? Why, why are you doing this? So I will just kind of reference all the players here. What happened was the day of the NBA draft, I think some of you just were like, oh, what's going to happen? I'll turn on the NBA draft and, and watch it and find out. And, and that's great. Uh, it was the highest watched draft ever. I, there, it wasn't like super exciting. We knew who was going to go number one. Maybe that's why people t- tuned in. A lot of the trades that we thought maybe could happen during the draft happened beforehand. That was all exciting. But the draft itself, there weren't a lot of like surprises. Uh, the two and three situation we'll talk about was interesting. Seeing the the twins drafted right after that that was that was cool. And there were you know there were some good players to get introduced to and some good storylines to be had. But it, it wasn't the most captivating thing that I've ever watched. Yet it was very highly rated. People were interested. What happened during the day leading up to all that, and what did have a lot of people maybe wanting to tune in was what was going to happen at two and three. Number one, we knew Victor Webb and Yama. We knew that. There was no doubt about that. I mean, that would be an all-time mistake. I don't, I don't even understand a situation in which the Spurs, like that was, we knew that. The odds, I think, on that were minus 10,000 or 100,000. Basically, you could put a million dollars on it and win like seven bucks and your million. But that, that'd be a smart move. Like if you had the money, that'd be a, that's an easy way to make seven to twelve dollars or whatever the payout was because there was no way it was not going to happen the other 
decisions that we weren't so sure about was what was going to happen at two and what was going to happen at three. For a long time, it was going to be Victor Webb and Yama, and then number two looked to be Scoot Henderson uh, from the G League, the G League Ignite team where these guys go play there instead of going to college. They play there, and then they can be draft eligible. They just can't go to the NBA right away, but they can play in the G League. For a long time, Scoot Henderson was the guy, and if there was no Victor Webb and Yama, uh, he could be a number one overall pick in maybe any other draft. Then Brandon Miller, he had a great season at Alabama. He started to emerge as a target. Um, there was also some off-the-court stuff, which is I, I don't think has been like addressed the way that it should be, but I, I guess we're just, I don't know, it's it, weird. But anyway, that maybe he hurt his stock, maybe didn't. We didn't know the odds for who the number two pick would be were going back and forth. And people like to bet on this kind of stuff. I mean, people do like to bet on this kind of stuff. I played uh, seven or eight different NFL draft props. I didn't do any for the NBA, but I did do some for the NFL. I I took C.J. Stroud to go number two. I got, like, good plus money on that because I, I just I didn't understand why the Texans wouldn't take C.J. Stroud. They thought they were going to have the number one pick the whole time. They need a quarterback. They did their due diligence on all these guys. We knew Carolina liked Bryce Young, so of course they're going to take C.J. Stroud. I didn't think there was any mystery to that. Now the Texans did trade up, get Will Anderson as well, so people thought maybe he could go two or whatever. But no, it's 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 a fun betting market. I mean, just like it's fun to bet on games, it's fun to bet on on these guys. And then what we try to do, and this is this is maybe why betting on stuff like this is not smart is because we then try to look for the information to help us. And we're trying to find out what report can we find where to help us. So we're looking online to find what report is going to help me make my one bet. The problem is the teams that have the picks that are doing the drafting, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors to all of this. We see this during free agency in any sport. We see this during the draft in any sport. Nobody ever wants the other teams to know what they're up to. And so they will funnel fake or false information to mislead so that a reporter picks it up and then suddenly everyone's talking about, oh, they might do this, they might do this. It might make some teams trade where they otherwise wouldn't have because they're worried they're not going to get their guy or it might make them back off because they think they can get him later. There's a lot of like misdirection happening. And that's all by design. That's their, That's what they're trying to do. There's the circle that we're like looking into, and it's guys playing this game of poker, and then we're trying to bet on what they're doing, even though in between the game of poker, they're purposely manipulating the information because of the game they're playing. And here we are looking down on it, trying to use that information to make money ourselves. It can be a cloudy circumstance it can be like like what are you how how good is this information what do you want to do with it so along the way we have decided and through their merits that there are some people that have better information than others and one of those guys is shams it's shams and woge shams bomb woge bomb we talk about these guys all the time they they're very connected in the nba uh there are other guys that break news certainly but these two are the these two are the two These two are the guys that we rush to first when we're looking for free agent news or trade news or draft news or anything. And Shams 
is kind of I don't know I don't know about hot water I don't know I don't know what the ramifications of this are going to be I don't know if people are looking at this as a as a coincidence or not but Shams put out a tweet during the day that had the lines moving in favor of Scoot Henderson Brandon Miller ended up being the number two overall pick so for most of the day. On draft day, Brandon Miller was the odds-on favorite to be selected number two. And the odds varied a little bit, but he was the favorite. Shams puts out a tweet in the morning saying that Scoot Henderson is gaining serious momentum at number two with the Charlotte Hornets in tonight's draft. The Hornets have been torn over the last week between Henderson and Miller. So people see that tweet. It moves the odds in favor of Scoot. So either then you think, well, if, if I think Brandon Miller is still going to be the pick, then you can make some money now on him. Or you rush to say, well, this is a no-brainer. Scoot's, uh, Scoot's going to get drafted too. Shams is saying it. Let's, let's, let's put some money on this. What ends up happening then is the Hornets don't take Scoot Henderson, the guy that Shams had reported it looked like they may take. And... The problem with that isn't that he got a report wrong or the information wasn't entirely correct. The problem is Shams is employed by FanDuel. This is a tweet, the tweet that got uh, all over the place from Mansur Shaheen. He says, Shams, employed by FanDuel, tweets about Scoot. Tons of people put money on Scoot at number two at sportsbooks like FanDuel. The Hornets don't draft Scoot. FanDuel makes a ton of money. Is this not just blatant fraud? So that's the situation. That's what we see. We see a guy who works for a gambling company or has a legit tie in. He's, I think he's on their TV program right now on their TV channel. He tweets something that moves the odds at the sports book associated with where he works, and then the odds are incorrect. So if you're the conspiracy guy, you look at that and say, well, something's weird here, right? I mean, it just, it, on the surface, it seems like it is possible that something weird happened. Now, FanDuel did come out with a statement. I mean, they almost they almost had to. They said they are not privy to any news that Shams breaks on his platforms and that he is separate from the sportsbook operation. So what what people are trying to say is, FanDuel told Shams to tweet something so that they could make more money and then they would give a cut to Shams. That's essentially what people are suggesting may have happened. Now, I don't think that is what happened. I think that Shams is too careful about the kind of stuff he reports. I think that he is too eager to be seen as someone that is reputable that he tweeted the information he had, and it just so happens that he works for FanDuel, and FanDuel has a sports book and all of that stuff. Will this cause him to be more careful in the future? I don't know, because on the surface, it does look like something could be something could be weird. And that's that's one of these problems that we never would have forecasted when sports and gambling decided to get married, essentially. For a long time, gambling was um, gambling was gambling. We we all know and we all knew someone who did whatever and had a bookie or maybe you'd go to Vegas where it was legal, but then sports was always like, no, 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 that's that's naughty. We're not we're not getting involved. We don't 
We don't want any kind of, like, we are all on the up and up. We don't like that. It's bad. The most acknowledgement you would get is somebody like an Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football where he would make the same joke all the time. Oh, this field goal matters to some. It usually mattered to Al because Al always has money on these games. And I think sometimes, like, when you listen, you could tell who he's, quote-unquote, rooting for. Or not. Maybe not. That's alleged. But it does seem like... It does seem like if you listen to the game for a quarter, you know where Al's money is that night. Uh, It does seem that way. Or a friend of a friend, whatever. But there's all these situations that we didn't expect. What we thought is, all right, if if gambling and sports, if they intersect where it's going to be a mess, it's going to be because somebody's betting, like a Pete Rose situation. They're betting money on the sport that they're involved in. Or a Tim Donaghy where there's a referee that is um, placing bets and and being you know given a cut or we've seen this in soccer internationally uh it was a big problem for fifa for a long time i think they've got better with it but who knows sometimes especially if you watch uh these games that the us plays in uh in concacaf always always a always a mystery in a circus but it's just it's we would never have forecasted this situation we never thought that okay sports and gambling can intersect but there may be a guy who is a reporter known for breaking news that works for one of these companies that has a sports book that breaks some news that sways the odds, and then the other thing doesn't happen and it looks fishy. And so I don't know going forward how Shams will treat it. I don't know going forward how FanDuel will treat it. Uh, I, I really don't think that there was anything fishy. If they were ever going to do something, uh, I don't think it would be so obvious. And if it even was obvious, it would be something where there was much bigger, like, I don't know. You, you don't you don't You don't throw it all away for whatever small payday this would have given you. I think the big issue is we can't get duped into all the draft day reporting. I, I we, we say we don't want to know. We want to be surprised. We want to turn on the TV. Oh, I don't like that they tweet out picks. But then we always, like, rush to see it, rush to find the news. I think we got to realize, like, we, 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 gotta, we just got to realize the reports that get out there. And even if the people that are legitimate, somebody legitimate from the Hornets could have told Shams, who legitimately reports these stories, what appeared to be legitimate news, but the whole reason, or the guy from the Hornets could have thought it was legitimate, but he was fed something. Like, you just can't believe anything because everyone's trying to get one up on everybody else that I think that's the the lesson to learn here is don't trust draft day shenanigans. That's the lesson to learn. And don't don't spend a bunch of money because one guy tweeted one thing. That's not, that that is... I'm somehow I'm blaming people that bet money on this. FanDuel looks crooked, Shams looks sketchy, but somehow I've turned around and blamed the people that fell for it. I didn't know that I would get there. Still, one of the problems, um, and it's just one of these gray areas that we're not gonna we're not gonna know about until it happens. I don't know if there's ever a gambling scandal so big that it makes sports like I don't know if there's a turning back point, but this is uh this is like an appetizer of what what could happen down the road. We just got to you know be a little more careful. And for Shams, who's very reputable, I mean, even if nothing happened, this is kind of like a, a stain. And he's got a. I mean, I would be mad if I was Shams. I, I would I would be furious actually, and and I would like Shams is one of these guys who's like low key all the time and uh, kind of flirting with Kay Adams. Maybe not, but I would be. Man, off camera, I'd be furious. 855-212-4227. Want to talk some NFL. Gambling is one of the things that I think could bring down the NFL. The NFL is so big 
and it keeps trying to get bigger. And I always wonder, are they putting too much air in that balloon? But then it always works. Everything the NFL tries to do, it works. Let's add another week. It works. Let's add another playoff game. It works. Let's add a Black Friday game. It's going to work. Let's take over Christmas. It works. At some point, they will get too big for their own good. We'll talk about that coming up. CBS Sports Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. CBS Sports Radio. My name is Bart Winkler in for Bill Ryder. Tom is here. I'll be here with you throughout the week. You can reach us at CBS Sports Radio. I fill in from time to time on different shows, and it seems like every shift I get, there's like new NFL news. Like uh, the NFL has decided to add an 18th game. The NFL has decided to play more games overseas. The NFL has decided to play a game on the moon. It just seems like they keep going further and further and trying to make this thing as big as possible. And the phrase I always say is they're just filling up a hot air balloon or any kind of balloon. But at some point, if you put too much air in it, it's going to burst and the whole thing's going to crumble. And I don't know if like at some point we're under the assumption that Rome will fall here is what we're working under. Because the NFL, it, it it can't be this forever. It can't be. And it's hard to even fathom a day where the NFL is not just the king of everything. It really is hard to fathom that. And maybe it's like this for another 400 years. But if something were to be the thing to knock it off its perch, I tried to figure out what would that be. And I came up with... A top five. Top five things that I think could knock the NFL off his perch. And I'm not talking about, like, bankrupting the league where there's no football anymore. I'm talking about something like, you know, how we look at baseball now. And I think a lot of us like baseball, and we watch baseball, and we we enjoy baseball. But we do say about baseball, oh, but baseball, it's not what it used to be. You know, the NFL took over. Baseball used to be this. Baseball used to be king it's still i mean it's it's still maybe it's two for you maybe 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 it's three i don't know where it is maybe it's one for you but baseball is not one in this country when it comes to sports it is it is football and i feel like in the last 20 years even i mean it's just like expanded and taken on a life of its own like it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger we can say that ah, i don't like roger goodell but under his leadership the NFL just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they keep adding all this stuff, and it doesn't hurt them. I mean, and nothing seems to hurt them. There might be bad PR, and there might be instances where uh, the league's doing the wrong thing, but the NFL, from where it was 20 years ago, 20 years ago it was massive. Uh, now it's like somehow even bigger than that. It's like the universe. It keeps expanding, which I've never wrapped my head around scientifically how that works i believe it but it's i mean just think my brain hurts just thinking about it so what could knock the nfl down i think a big gambling scandal i'll put that at number five a big gambling scandal could really tear apart the nfl it would have to be 
not like one guy bet on himself to have seven and a half catches and then he, you know, or a quarterback bet on himself to whatever. It would have to be some sort of scandal where there were teams that were involved and there was an outcome of a game that was shifted and it would, it may be, you know, playoff game on a big, it would have to be like something you see in a movie where you're like, this, this can't happen. And there's gotta be a lot of money that's dictating this. I think that would do something just like we talked about shams, like on a very minor scale, does that damage his reputation a little bit? Does it damage his brand that he tweeted something that then didn't happen and he's connected with a sports book? Maybe it does a little bit. Maybe there's some people that never trust him for NBA news again, or look at it, you know, with a winced eye that this for the NFL, I think would, uh, would be something that could, that could damage it for sure. Number four things that could knock down the NFL. I think if fans got priced out or felt like they were getting priced out and I know that like going to games is a little more expensive than it used to be for sure, but stadiums are still filling up. I think the big thing would be for fans not being able to watch the games at home. You know, we can watch most of these games for free. Even if we get cable, a lot of these games are still over the air. Yeah. You might miss Monday night football. You might miss, you know, the Amazon prime games, but you can, for the most part, watch your team on free TV. And even when they are on cable, one of your local channels picks it up. So you can, you can still, for the most part, I know nothing's really ever free, but you can watch your teams for free. Uh, there's a playoff game coming up. That's going to be behind a paywall and that's going to people, you know, over their skis. But I think that if you started to charge more and we might pay and they might, they might try to do it. That's the NFL. They, they, they're going to keep trying things. I don't ever think like, We'll have to, there'll always be, I don't know about always, but for a long time, I think we'll be able to watch games on Fox and CBS and NBC the way we can now. And I don't think the Super Bowl is going to go pay-per-view anytime soon. Uh, The game that's being televised behind a paywall in the playoffs is interesting, and we'll see if the NFL learns from that, uh, what they learn from that. But I I don't think that that's going to be, like that that I think might be one game per postseason. I don't think we're gonna like have to pay fifty bucks to watch the whole postseason. But if something like that happens, well then yeah, then fans would speak up with their dollar and that would hurt. I think um I, I think somebody like the Damar Hamlin situation, if that got worse, if he passed away on the field, that's something that I think could do long term damage to the game, even though that was like as fluky as it gets. Um, everything went wrong for him at the wrong time. I think that would be hard. Uh, the feeling that I had watching that game that night, I mean, you didn't just want him to live because uh, you didn't want him to die. Young kid, great kid, you don't want him to die, and he's done so much good uh, after this. I mean, you just it felt like the game also died, not to be, like, crass about it, but it felt like, oh, okay. I, I mean, how do, how do you get up for the NFL? How do, you, how do you get up for a Super Bowl? How do you ever watch a game again if, if you just watched a guy pass away? Someone did die in an NFL game back in 1971. It was a receiver for the Lions. Uh, that, I don't know how many people saw that. You might have read about it or heard about it. 15 million people were watching this live. That would be, that would be tough. That would be tough. The, on the other hand, if they go too safe, that might turn some people off too. They don't want injuries. They certainly don't. If they go too safe, if the game starts to look more and more like the Pro Bowl did with the flag football, that might be another thing. So that's like they're trying to 
the NFL, what a what a tricky what a tricky lot they're trying to do. They're trying to make the game look violent but not be violent. They're trying to make us think it's violent but make it as little uh, full of violence as they can. I think getting too big with expansion could be something that hurts them, although knowing the NFL, it'll probably help them. I think that they need to not go to Europe. They need to not go to Europe full-time. I enjoy the games in London. I think that's great. You know, what they're trying with Jacksonville, they're going to spend two weeks out there, play two weeks back-to-back. All right, that's that, I think that's a test run. I don't think you put a team out there, and I think they want to put a division out there. They really want to expand and put a division out there. That might be too much. Games in the morning, and that would be fun. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we all watch 12 NFL every Sunday. Can we do 14? Sunday? That's a lot. And then I think the big issue is, well, what if guys don't want to play overseas? Are, are they going to start to hold out in the draft? Are they going to have a hard time signing free agents? How tricky is it going to be to play? And then, you know, I don't know what the geopolitical landscape of the world's going to look like. What if we put a team in Spain and all of a sudden in 15 years we're at war with Spain? That's That'd be interesting and bad. And the other thing, speaking of other countries, I think the threat of Saudi Arabia buying their way into the league or at least their entertainment firm, I think that is the most realistic and the most threatening challenge to the NFL in the future. Because the NFL, all these other things, like, it's the NFL, okay? It's the NFL. They have control of it for the most part. This is this would be an outside threat. And it would take a lot more, but it's already almost happened once with the USFL. There's a blueprint how to do it. There's a blueprint how to try to take over the NFL. You get into another league, and then you start taking players from the NFL, that's what the USFL was doing. Steve Young, Jim Kelly, Reggie White, uh, Warren Moon, I believe, um, Herschel Walker, the big one. All those guys did not play in the NFL. They went to the USFL because where the money was. And then the USFL tried to move to the fall. That didn't work, and it eventually faded. But there was a blueprint there if maybe smarter people were in charge where the NFL would have been forced to merge with the USFL and maybe that happens with one of these teams that that's I mean there's two leagues right now if the Saudis bought golf if that's the phrase we're using who's to say they can't buy football there's two leagues right now that are happening in the spring that have a setup with cities that aren't making any money how do you you just buy one of those buy one of those and move forward so i think that that would be the biggest threat now none of these things are going to happen like tomorrow but that would be where I look at things that could take down the NFL. Some that did not quite make the cut. I think uh, I took a call on this yesterday when I was in on the weekend. Kids not playing football anymore. I understand that. Uh, there are less and less kids maybe playing football, especially contact. All the NFL needs is 2,000 people to do it. The, the, there, there, there will not be a shortage of that. There's football. Be, there's three leagues, like I just mentioned. There's football being played all over the country. They will never not have enough players to play football. They might lose some of the talent to other sports, but they will never not have enough players. And then if the league becomes too bogged down in rules, um, but I actually think that we like when there's rules. The NFL is hard to learn. If you try to learn the NFL right now, it's hard because you think you understand it, and then there's all these other things. It's maybe harder than learning a language at whatever age you are. So that's what I think. Tom, anything that sticks off to you there that you disagree with that you think might be the biggest threat to the NFL. Again, nothing's going to take it down tomorrow, but long-term eventually if Rome fell, 
you know, uh, the NFL could at some point too. Bart, the first thing that popped into my head when you brought this to me when we started talking about this yesterday and this morning, I think the biggest threat to the NFL is the NFL. And I don't mean that in terms of, uh, you know, punishing guys with, uh, you know, whatever they're getting into off the field. I mean, getting in their own way with these rules. You hit on it there. Like, there's, there's, you think you know football? It's becoming the most complicated sport that we watch in the U.S. I can't even, like, I I remember this... um... There was a play where my wife was watching with me, and she's not into sports, okay, which it works out for me. Some guys are like, I want my wife to – I didn't ever want that. We can talk about that another time. But she was watching, and she was she was having a hard time, like, understanding why on a kickoff they pick up the ball and need to get it right away, and then why on a punt it just, like, sits there, and they watch it, and they all cover it like it's a, like it's a bonfire. And I'm like, uh, I, like, I couldn't explain it to her. I'm like, that's just how it is. So I couldn't even get to that point. And then what the NFL likes to do is whenever something happens, they make a new rule so that doesn't happen, which creates a whole chain of another rule. And suddenly you have like, all because one guy threw an incomplete pass once out of bounds, but he touched it as, I mean, there's 19 different rules based on one thing that happened one time. So I do think that, yeah, that is something that, uh, is complicated, but that's why you gotta, you almost gotta like learn it like a language. You gotta learn it as a kid. Cause if I was, you know, I'm 39, if I was trying to learn football, I'd be like, oh, I understand the general concept, but then it'd be like, well, why did that ball go out of bounds there? And why does this team get it now? Why, why, how come there's a first down and the guy decided it by putting a piece of paper in between the chains and the football? If there's room for the paper, why is it a first down? It should mean it's not a first down. I still never got that. I, I never do. So yeah, that 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 could be another one. We're a long time from this being a topic. I just always say like, well, the NFL at, at some point. And so I wanted to kind of explore a little bit what what it might be that takes it takes it down. Ultimately, I uh, I'll be dead long long before the NFL is. Uh, I mean, this is gonna this is gonna live for a long long time, a uh, long long time. You can reach us CBS Sports Radio. I'm Bart Winkler in for Bill Ryder. Let's get an update from Pat Boyle. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. In for Bill Ryder, I am Bart Winkler, CBS Sports Radio. Good to be with you. Tom is here as well. We'll have buy or sell coming up next hour. Stay tuned for that. Antonio Brown. You know what? I feel bad for this guy. I the Antonio Brown situation is weird. The uh, Super Bowl last night was on the NFL Network between the Packers and the Steelers. And I had it on just at the end of the night, and there was uh, the Packers scored. They won. That was pretty cool. They they won to go up 31-25, and they kicked it off to Antonio Brown. I forget he was in that game. Heinz Ward was still playing, but Antonio Brown, he was he's, he was that was his rookie year, I believe. He was like a great return man for them. I think he had one target in that game, didn't have any catches, but then became a very prolific stealer. They had the killer bees there with Ben and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, and then I think you can look at the hit he took in a playoff game, and he started acting different after that. He was on uh, a podcast over the weekend or last week where it was with Tyreek Hill on the show It Needed to Be Said. Talked about a lot of different stuff. The lasting image we have of Brown is him walking off the field during that Jets game where he's like waving goodbye to the crowd shirtless. And one of the things that we're very interested in is his relationship with Brady because that Brady like vouched for the guy to come there. And ever since Brady 
retired or AB was let go from the team, it feels like Antonio Brown's just been on a, a tour of trying to blast Tom Brady anywhere that he could have a microphone. And that's what he did on Tyreek Hill's podcast. So now I meet with Tom Brady. He like giving me like talks like he think I'm like a narcissist. I'm like, what, bro? I really been over here low volume because I really put to be turned up. Like, I'm really a go-to guy. I'm, like, really not, like, I'm the head. Like, I'm not really to tell. Like, I'm here to get these guys inspired. Like, I'm really coming off the bench, playing while I'm hurt, I'm draining my I'm knees. the energy, baby. Yeah, like, I'm the spark. So, yeah, you now you're not seeing me for who I'm here. So, I'm, like, meeting with him, and I'm seeing him, like, talk to me. Like, if you if it's all us in the room, like, you know, he got to get a little, it just can't be all about you. But I'm, like, the guy here with the lowest salary. So, I'm, like, yo, what are even you talking about? I mean, the things that have happened with Antonio Brown, uh, going back to that Hard Knocks, if you guys watched Hard Knocks when he was with the Raiders and he froze his feet and then he, like, couldn't run, I don't know, man. It just seems like it seems like we are watching a guy who has effects of playing football in real time. And I, I don't know. We don't know. We can't, you can't diagnose CTE until after the person has died. And I don't want to just say, like, uh, he might have CTE, but Antonio Brown is he acts different than he used to, and it's weird and it's like concerning. So I don't know. I don't know when he talks now. It's like ah, uh, he's just spouting off again. I ignore him. But did did he ever get? Does he need help? Did he ever get the help? Does he need? I don't know. Nobody knows because we're all like ah, oh, he's a weirdo. We'll ignore him. I I don't know. It's uh very odd, very odd. Elsewhere in the NFL, Melvin Gordon had some comments. <laughs> I'm like, does he have CTE? I don't know. Anyway, moving on. I don't know what you do about Antonio Brown. Ah, you you would like like Tom Brady. Who better to get help from than Tom Brady? And now he wants to burn that bridge. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if he's going to play again. He just had something happen with. See, there was a story last week about he's this minor league football team he had. Uh, do you know anything about that? Because I, I just like didn't even click on the article. I'm like, ah, Antonio Brown, screw it. His team got kicked out of that league. He owned the team for a very short period of time. He came out and made some comments against the league, and the league up and kicked his team right out. Yeah, I saw an article and I didn't even read it because I'm like, I don't, I'm not reading Antonio Brown nonsense. It's like, I, I don't. It's every two months he says something about something, right? I don't know what to do. It's it's a tough situation. Melvin Gordon, I do want to awkwardly transition to that. He said on Jim Rome's show, um, Rome, it's so tough for running backs right now, man. You have a lot of running backs out there, and we don't get no love. It's literally the worst position to play in the NFL right now. It literally sucks. And I think a lot of people saw that right away and thought, huh, running backs? That's a glamour position. You're a running back on a team. It's not a glamour position anymore. You hardly get drafted high. Bijan Robinson the exception this year and on average running backs make less money than pretty much every position in football on average, other than special team specialist, long snappers and punters kickers on average make more than running backs. Running backs make about $1.8 million on average. And you might right away think of, well, Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and Derek Henry. And those guys do make a lot of money. But after that, it drops very, very quickly. 
there are only, not counting Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley, because they're trying to work through franchise take situations, there are seven guys that make over $10 million. And the next guy after that is James Conner, who makes about $7 million a season, and he's 28. I think a lot of us looked at Delvin Cook getting cut, and we thought from the Vikings, and we thought, what is going on? It's Delvin Cook. Now, he did statistically have a down year. There were only about two games where he had over 100 yards this year. He still rushed for a lot of yards. They gave him the ball a lot, but he wasn't the factor that the Vikings wanted him to be. And they have another guy there that they're paying a lot less money to in Alexander Madison, and he can essentially do the same thing for them. A team that's really been showing the blueprint of how to get this done is the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been winning Super Bowls, making Super Bowls the last five years. They have had a different leading rusher each of the last five years. And none of the leading rushers had 1,000 yards. 2018, Kareem Hunt, 824. 2019, Damian Williams, 496. 2020, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 803. And that was his rookie year, and they've already phased him out. Daryl Williams, 558. And then last year, Isaiah Pacheco, 830. And last year in the playoffs, it was Pacheco. It was um, Jarek McKinnon. I mean, running backs, you pay, a, you pay a guy a lot of money. Then Ezekiel Elliott doesn't earn the money that he was paid. Todd Gurley, I think, is a poster boy for this. Running backs, you, you, you got to like, you almost got to perform right away as a rookie and then hold out immediately for that big contract. Because you get on that rookie contract, and for four years, you're under that contract. And by the time that you want to get paid at age 26, 27, you're already like too old for the average running back. There are about five or six running backs right now under contract over the age of 30. That's it. Cordell Patterson is one of them, but he started as a wide receiver. Raheem Mostert is 31. Brandon Bolden is 33. He's still under contract. Ty Montgomery is 30, but again, he started as a wide receiver. Uh, Latavius Murray was with the Bills. He was 33. And Jarek McKinnon, who I mentioned, 31. Everybody else is under the age of 30. And there's no, like Melvin Gordon's right. Gordon's 30. He won a Super Bowl as a member of the Chiefs practice squad. All those guys I mentioned, Melvin Gordon was on the practice squad. So it's tough out there for a running back, for sure. We'll talk some NBA Try to figure out what moves could be happening. It looks like a lot of guys might be staying put. CBS Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.